This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the <clears throat> Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good, Good morning, morning and welcome Good to the morning. Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Let's talk sports. <laughs> I jumped in a little bit too early this morning. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Usually in studio, my co-host would be Naz Marchese. Naz Marchese is a little bit under the weather, so I will be going solo this morning. But we've got a power-packed lineup uh, coming up later on the show. We'll be talking to Dave Woods, the rugby correspondent for the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. There's a huge game in Toronto today. The Toronto Wolfpack are trying to make make their way to the English Super League, and uh, they've got a big game down at Lamport Stadium uh, this afternoon against the Toulouse Olympique. Uh, we've been following the Wolfpack uh, this time last year. We're thrilled to talk to uh, Dave Woods of the BBC later on in the hour. Welcoming back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Eddie Andelman, the godfather of sports radio from Boston, and I'm sure he's got uh, some interesting things to say about the Pats, Antonio Brown, and probably the Boston Red Red Sox as well, and they'll throw in an odd shot about the Bruins and the Revolution. But first up on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, and he's first up on TSN every Monday, every uh, every morning from Monday to Friday, 6 to 10 a.m., and also a TSN hockey analyst, former Toronto Maple Leaf, St. Louis Boo, Buffalo Sabre. May have missed one or two, but of course I'm talking about Carlo Koliakovo. Carlo, good morning. How are you this morning, sir? Good morning, Walter. How are you? Good to catch up with you, man. <laughs> it's good. Good to you, get. Missed, you missed two teams there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, you know what? Uh, when you're on Zoomer, Carlo, when you're on Zoomer Radio, uh, you yeah. know what? The memory fades every now and then. I Was Philadelphia one of them by any chance? Yeah, Philadelphia was one of them and Detroit was one of them. And yeah. I missed I missed the Detroit gig, but uh, you know what? Three out of five ain't bad for a guy my right, age, Carlo. It, right? <laughs> listen, listen. I know Sunday mornings are uh, uh, a bit of a challenge, so thanks so much for joining us. But yeah, you're, Sunday you're... mornings are a challenge. Time Monday to Friday. <laughs> I, I, I was just about I was just about to say you're an early riser of course yeah uh, no, I love it I love it listen we, we we love listening to you on uh, TSN first first up in the morning with Mike Landsberg you're doing a fantastic job thank and, you uh, thank you uh, it's always a pleasure listening to you and it's always a pleasure having you on our show so Carlo let's get into it of course, the big buzz around town right now is the is the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's all kinds of things going on in Leafland, uh, so let's uh, let's start into uh, some of the issues coming up with the Leafs. Uh, somehow, uh, the Jason Spezza. Uh, era in Toronto Maple Leaf land is up for, I wouldn't call it criticism, but, uh, you know, um, our, our, our coach, Mike Babcock uh, and Jason Spezza, I wouldn't say they're off to a bad start, but uh, there's been a little bit of controversy there. Spezza seems to be uh, splitting some ice time with Fred Goche. Um, some comments, of course, in the media the other day by Babcock were completely twisted. Seems like Babcock may be playing some mind games with him a little bit. Uh, your sense of, uh, I thought the Jason Spezza pickup was a good one. Is it yeah. off to the start? Is it going the way we uh, we would have thought? I mean, I think so. I mean, I, I listen. I, I don't. I played the game, so I, I don't look to blow things out of proportion when a coach makes a comment uh, without doing the due diligence of the research. And for me, uh, the day Jason Spezza signed with the Maple Leafs was the same day I believed he was going to play for this team, and nothing's changed for me. I, I don't believe that any of the comments that Mike Babcock has made is uh, leads leads me to believe that he won't be on this team. And um, here's the reason why: um, Jason Spezza, his whole career has been a go-to guy on every team that he's played on. And when meeting with Kyle and with Mike in the summertime about his position here with the Maple Leafs, um, it was going to be a new opportunity for him. Some A role that you know he'd have to embrace, he'd have to uh, get used to, and he'd have to learn how to play. And when you're 36 years old and the door is starting to close with you in the NHL, 
sometimes you have to find a different role for yourself, and especially on a new team. And I think that's that's the message Mike Babcock is trying to say here is that um, you know we all know that Mike Babcock's a fan of Freddie Goche. Uh, we saw with the way he played him last year, and a lot of the comments that he's made about him. Uh, so he's you know everybody is safe to assume because Jason Spezza's gets signed to this team that Freddie Gochi is no longer here. Well, what happens after game one? Mike Babcock reassures that Freddie Gochi is one of his guys. And so the comments that he made about Spezza, to me, my understanding about it is that, hey, we have a lot of different positions here that are available for him to play. We're going to see which one best fits him, and we're going to properly slot him. And Jason Spezza, in order to play on this team, I believe has embraced that, knows that he ha- that's what he has to do. I mean, he knows he's going to play on a fourth line. And uh, to be honest with you, I- I've said this all week. What's so bad about playing Freddie Goche and Jason Spezza on the same line? Whether one of them plays center, one of them plays wing. We saw last night, I mean, I even made a tweet about it last night, that the line of Moore, Goche, and Spezza were the most effective line on the ice yesterday. So that's what I believe the message that Babcock is trying to send Jason Spezza is that um, we're going to throw you in different spots and see which one best fits you to play on this team. Uh, Carlo, Leafs have made some changes uh, over the... A lot of them. A lot of them. So let's uh, let's talk about a few of them. Um, and, you know, we're into the preseason. I, I'm not a big believer that preseason means anything uh, other than a coach is trying to put players out into certain positions and see what they look like. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, uh, you know, they just came off two games against the Sabres. Uh, last night they didn't get a great result. Um, from what you've seen in the preseason... Um, who's impressed you of the new people who are coming in and who, who I would say hasn't impressed you or hasn't taken the step forward that they needed to. Let's talk about some of the guys, CC, Cody, CC, Tyson, Baring, Kerfoot, uh, Spezza. Uh, there's, there's some new, uh, uh, a new Russian guy. I haven't even learned how to pronounce his name yet. Uh, talk to us about, uh, the new Leafs and what you've seen. Well, Walter, I think this has been sort of something that's disappointed me throughout this training camp is after the first two games, and I'm like you, I, I don't put much um, so much emphasis on results in the preseason because at the end of the day, they mean nothing. And um, But in particular with this Maple Leafs team, like with like you said, that there's going to be so much turnover, so, much new, so many new faces, um, preseason for me is a chance for these guys to get to know to play with each other. And to be honest with you, other than the guys that are that have been pencil slotted in to be on this team, I'm disappointed that nobody with a chance to make this team has taken those reins and has allowed themselves to stand out from the next guy. I mean, if I was if I was coming into the league and there was this many spots available for me, I would be salivating <laughs> at the opportunity to make a Toronto Maple Leafs team that a lot of people can say is a Stanley Cup contender. And I don't know if it's the, the being being nervous or not being able to handle the expectation or not being handled, handled the, the opportunity, but think of how many guys that we've talked about that have been Marley's for the last two years and now are given a chance to make the Toronto Maple Leafs hockey club. I mean, you, you've probably watched the same four games that I have. Uh, other than other than the obvious, I mean, to me, Rasmus Sandin Friday night looked incredible. Uh, he, he was the guy that really, really took a step for me. Uh, but he's a guy, again, who's highly touted and at one point is expected to play on this team. But other than that, I mean, who's really grabbed a, a, hold, of a, a hold of a position? We're talking about the possibility of being of having four to five forward spots open and two to three defensive spots open. And I, I just, I don't believe anybody right now after four games has stood out in my eyes and probably in the coach's eyes and says that guy deserves to be on the team. So that's got to be the frustrating part. That is the frustrating part for me as, as a Maple Leaf fan and viewer. Um, but you know, you, you sense the frustration in Mike Babcock's comments yesterday too, where he's like, I don't know what type of defense we're playing. 
Well, that's what happens when you have that many guys um, that that are going to be slotted into your blue line. It's it's a matter of guys getting used to play each other. I've liked the ba- the Barry Muzzin pairing. I've liked the CC Morgan Riley pairing, but there's still a lot of room for improvement over there with those guys. And maybe it happens today when they decide to trim down the roster, make their cuts, and finally get a, a full group together so they can start focusing on system stuff. Now we're talking to Carlo Kuliakovo. Uh, very briefly, you talked about the impressive performance of Rasmus Sandin, who is it seems to be the most positive story out of this preseason so far 19 years old i believe yeah he's taken a yeah. step over a uh, step beyond the previous first draft choice timothy lilligren um talk to us about sandine's game and carlo you know uh you you were you had to come up at a young age too way back yeah. when um and you're a keen observer of uh, of hockey and the leafs and the nhl is Rasmus Sundin ready to play in the NHL? What kind of a gamble is this for the Leafs if they bring him up? Well, he's got well, nine, nine games they can bring him up for and they can send him down. Yeah. But uh, yeah, your comments on that? Well, if I was to if I was to make a decision after last game, I would say one hundred percent he's um, he should be slotted in to be on the starting lineup uh, opening night. Um, I think he's impressed me that much. Um, I think you make a good uh, a good comparable there when you when you say him 19 years old entering the league, and back in the day when I made the team when I was 19 years old. We're, the only problem there is we're comparing two different eras. I think back then in in, in my era, Rasmus Sandin would have been a, a, given a consideration because of his size. So you can definitely see how much the game has changed. But what has really really impressed me about Rasmus Sandin is for a 19 year old how much composure and poise this guy plays with. With his decision-making, um, he's always has his head up. He's always thinking about making the next play before he gets the puck. Uh, he's an exceptional skater, really, really smart player, knowing um, you know, the, the, the time and situation of the game, when to join the rush, has a really, really good stick. And those are all great compliments when you're talking about uh, a young defenseman. Um, you know, People were raving about um, his development, uh, last year, playing top minutes in the Marlies, and you can see how much that has helped uh, his game so far um, in in the first little bit of training camp. Um, I, I think uh, the Maple Leafs would like to give him another year of development uh, in the Marlies, and then have him fully slotted in for next season. But again, this is this is what I mean about a, a player coming up and, and and taking advantage of an opportunity that's there. If he comes in and continues to progress and continues to show that he deserves to play on this team and he's capable of doing it, then by all means, he should be a guy that should be considered it playing in the top six. Um, Rasmus Sundin, uh, for a guy that young, doesn't show any panic in his game. And you can see when, he, when, when, when he's on the ice, uh, to, to be that even keeled and to, to be that, to show that much of, that much of lack of emotion in a game really shows me how much preparation, how, how prepared he is to take that next step. So I wouldn't be surprised. And to be honest with you, um, out of the guys that, that are competing for the five and six job, he, he to me is the guy that, that deserves it the most right now. Uh, the other area, I wouldn't call it a controversy, not so much a controversy, but uh, we're all curious because of last year's uh, um, back, up goaltending controversy. Of course, Garrett Sparts uh, was no is no longer here. Uh, he's no longer in Las Vegas apparently either. So he looks like yeah. he's, he's headed uh, he's headed down to the AHL or wherever they're going to send him. Uh, that didn't work out that great. Uh, we got rid of a really good backup last year. End up in Carolina, I believe. Yeah. But uh, Freddie Anderson, we know in today's NHL you can't play eighty two games. In fact, anything over sixty uh, becomes a bit of a grind. Um, you need your goaltender fresh as the NHL NHL's pretty competitive now you can't afford to mail in points you got to have a backup goalie that can win games for you or it could cost you because it's yeah. NHL's pretty tight nowadays that all the other teams in the league have improved uh, we've got Michael Neuwirth and uh, uh, geez, I can't Hutchinson yeah um, what do you see there Carlo <laughs> I'm not liking it. Um, okay. You know, well, it's, uh, it, again, I think you, you stated the obvious that uh, this is, was definitely an area of concern last year. 
uh, where Mike Babcock showed zero confidence to play Garrett Sparks uh, and give Freddie a rest. I think the the best thing that happened to Freddie Anderson last year was that he had an injury in, in the middle of, of December and, and uh, forced his own hand not to play and, and forced Mike Babcock's hand to play Sparks and at times Michael Hutchinson, who last year I, I think played really well in his, in his games that uh, he played for the Leafs. I think the only thing you can ask for a backup goalie is to be the hardest working guy in practice and to give your team a chance to win because the, the, the days are gone of throwing a backup in and, and it being point night and it being, um, you know, an easy win for the, for the opposition. You got to throw your backup in there on back to back nights or even at even nights during the week where you think maybe you're, you're overwhelmed with your schedule and rely on him to get you a win. Because like you said, things are so close. And if you look at the division the Maple Leafs play, and I think it's one of the strongest in the league right now, uh, when you consider that, excuse me, uh, four of the top ten goalies, according to NHL.com, play in the Atlantic division. And that's not even including Freddie Anderson, who I believe is a top ten goalie in the league. So uh, the margin for error is very, very slim um, in the Maple Leafs division. And uh, right now, between Neuberth, who's, who's had a little bit of an injury, Step back. I thought he was okay last night. Uh, you can definitely see the the his his veteran presence where um, he looks very positionally sound in the net. But I would need to see a larger sample size uh, before I make my determination on him. And and to be honest, with you, Michael Hutchinson just hasn't looked good at all um, in, in the preseason. So uh, definitely an area of concern. Uh, we all saw Louis Domingue, who had a really good record uh, with Tampa last year. Uh, just clear waivers, and I'm, I would imagine if the Leafs weren't cap-strung, they would probably made a, uh, a claim on him, and maybe there's still something to be done there. But uh, that's something that definitely needs to figure itself out over the next couple of games here, the next week, um, whether or not uh, who's, who's going to take that position, uh, you know, uh, who's going to take it over uh, between Neuwirth and, and Hutchinson and really um, uh, show that uh, they, they can be dependable because uh, – Again, like you said, it. there's been a lot of conversation, and it will be a conversation all year about load management for Freddie because, you know, game seven, two years in a row, uh, when, you, when you needed your guy to be at his best, he wasn't. So not, not to say um, the reason of playing too much is the reason, but sometimes you gotta start, uh, you, you got to start calculating those, those decisions and going back and saying, you know, you look at the Stanley Cup champion goalies or the guys that have been in the finals and the games they've played, uh, throughout the season, it's been all under 50. So um, the game has changed. So has the goaltending position, and the Maple Leafs would love, actually need <laughs> a guy that can be dependable like Curtis McElhinney was. Talking to Carla Kuliak. Well, Carla, we won't keep you much longer. A couple of a uh, couple more minutes. Uh, I got to get into a tweet that Jeremy Roenick made this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, general managers are throwing around money like uh, like crazy. Uh, you know, the the market has changed. Younger players are getting money a lot earlier than they did in your day. Uh, yeah. Certainly, uh, a lot of money being thrown around in Toronto. And Jeremy tweeted, "I remember when you had to earn." With an emphasis on earn high salaries, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> from a perspective of a retired player, uh, your generation or maybe the older generation of players, is, is there any level of resentment uh, to what these guys? I'm sure you're happy. You, I'm sure you wished you could have made that kind of money in your day. Uh, any level of resentment or any level of resentment that they're that they hold out. For uh, you know, for eleven million dollars or five hundred thousand dollars, how do the how do the retired players feel about that? I'm sure there's differences of opinion, but yeah, your there, sense of it. There, there's a big difference of opinion, and 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 I, I agree with with uh, with Jeremy Roenick in a sense when he says, you, "I remember the days when you had to earn it," because uh, I never through my career that I signed more than a two year deal um, because I had to go out and earn it, and. Uh, that's not the takeaway. I, I understand that the game has changed. It's changed tremendously, and, I, and I'll always, I'll never show resentment for a player um, making as much money as he can. I'm all for it. But what I have a real problem with is, and, and Ottawa is a good example of it because they've done it twice already. How can you really tell how good a player is or is going to be? And I know Thomas Shabbat. You know, nothing against Thomas Shabbat. I think he's a hell of a player. 
Um, I think he's on the verge of stardom, but he still has one year left under entry level. Like, why not just see, I mean, he had a great year last year. Why not just see if he's going to continue on that same development curb for one more season before you lock him up? You know why? Because you know, you know the answer to that question, Carlo. Oh, <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the, the Eugene and Pierre have been under such an, an, an inordinate amount of criticism. They had, they had, they had to throw a bone to their fans. It's, you know what? It's, it's deserved because of the the, the stuff that they've basically done to themselves the last couple of years. But to to finish on Shabbat. Yep. And I had a problem with this with the, with the Colin White deal. How can you really tell what a player is going to become if he ha- before he plays 150 games in the league? Like uh, to me, like you get a true sense of a player and what he's going to be by watching him on an everyday basis, by watching him consistently year after year. And if he, if you continue to see the same thing in the player or more, well, that's when you can get a true tell on whether or not you should be able to commit to a guy for eight years. And my, my thing, listen, I, I think Shabbat is going to earn that money in, in a couple of years from now. But my, my thing with that is if you, if you signed him now or you signed him at the beginning of the season or at the end of the season next year, how much would the number have changed? Right? W- would you be negotiating an $8.5 million deal? Would you be negotiating $9 million? I don't think so. I think eight is the right number. So at least what it does for you is it lets you, it allows you to see if, this guy is, has made the commitment to get better, has made the conv- commitment to continue to develop, or maybe he was just a kid who had a really good year in, in one year. Like To me, another example is the Clayton Keller deal. Arizona is making the same projection on Clayton Keller, who had a really good first year and a really average second year. So now you're rewarding a guy for having played a really average second year in his career with an eight-year deal? Yeah. Like, that never happened. Like, where, where's the motivation for him to come out and put up 80 points when he put up 40 last year and got an eight-year deal? That's, that's, where, that's where I believe the message that Jeremy Roenick is trying to, to share in his tweet, and which is something that I agree with, because I'm all for players making money, but we live in a cap world. Go out and earn it. And if you go out and earn it, just pay the man. Yep. Pay the guy his money. I would rather pay a guy more over a shorter term than pay a guy less over a longer term because things change so much in hockey year after year. Just ask the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> yeah, Car- Car- talking Car- Kolibiakovo, uh, Carlo, uh, before we let you go, uh, normally, and I know on, on your show on uh, Monday to Friday on TSN's First Up, uh, you're not just a hockey guy. You talk about all sports. And normally at this time, uh, I normally have Naz in the studio, and sometimes I have French Eschetti, and you know, those are two big Alabama guys. And uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm the Notre Dame guy, and Notre Dame actually yeah. played a lot better last night. So i got to ask you. What a hell of a game. What a hell Holy of a game. Cow. Notre Dame and Georgia. Uh, yeah. uh, what uh, i got to ask you, who's, uh, who's your – NCAA football team. Please tell me it's the Irish. Uh, I don't really have a team I follow okay. in particular. Um, I, I like the Irish because of what they represent: the green, the gold, the Irish. Some of the uh, Notre Dame tra- traditions, where every time they run out of the tunnel, they're smacking the we, we uh, play like a champion logo. Um, I'm just a fan of college football. I really, really love watching college football. Um, nothing. I don't think there's a greater sports spectacle when you're watching a primetime game. Like, like here's an example: Clemson. When Clemson is playing a primetime eight o'clock game at Death Valley, the players bus over to the end of the stadium. They walk out and they run down the hill. The way the the way the video of the or the way the <laughs> screen is shaking because of thousands and thousands of fans just rocking the stadium. Like that is an unbelievable sports moment for me. Where you know, the, 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 the hype and lead up to a game. Like, bowl games are absolutely amazing to watch. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have a team, just like the NFL. I don't really have a team, even though I, I cheer for the Buffalo Bills because they're close. Well, you'd fit in um, with Naz and I then, so. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I, I've, I've converted into a Cleveland Brown <laughs> uh, fan this year because uh, I've loved the Oh, no, stick with I've the Bills. I've bought into it. I'm Bay- May- Baker Mayfield is one of my favorite yeah. players to watch. 
um, you know, the whole dog pound uh, yeah. routine. Good, good it's stuff. Been, uh, it's been something that me and Michael have sort of embraced yeah. this year. But uh, Stick with I just the... love football in, in general. I love watching yeah. college football. It helps me prepare for my fantasy draft every year, um, finding players, um, you know, whether it's running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers. And uh, it translates to the NFL. Like NFL on Sundays, I'm just a total disaster because I just don't want to be – I don't want to leave the front of the TV. My wife absolutely hates it. <laughs> I, I'll leave you off with this one, Carlo. Uh, the Toronto Wolfpack going to win today? I, I believe they they are. Um, you know, I, I was game, asked to big to game today, today down at, at they call it the Den, which yes. is Lamport Stadium. So yes, uh, they've had a, they have a, they've had a heck of a year. Um, I was I was actually asked to go to the game today, but I have a family function to yeah. to, to be at today, and uh, hopefully they they do. I mean, this is a great story um, for the city of Toronto and, and the Wolfpack and. Um, I heard you earlier that if they win, they 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 enter the English Super League. Well, they got to win. They got to win today, and they got to win uh, on October the fifth. And right okay. after, I got to wrap this up, Carlo, because hey, I've got Dave Woods from the BBC coming on right after nice. the break, and we're going to talk nice. about. Listen, I, I know it, we. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you interrupting your your Sunday morning and your family day for this. And uh, we always uh, your your comments are so insightful. Uh, we really uh, really appreciate. Thanks so much. Well, thanks. Well, it's much, much appreciated. And uh, I look forward to uh, speaking to you anytime. So feel free we, to we, reach out to me. And I'd love, love fantastic. to Carlo Koliakovo, he's on hey, Monday, well. Monday to Friday on TSN's First Up, 6 to 10. Listen in. Uh, it's always a great show. Thanks, Carlo. Um, that was Carlo Koliakovo. We're going to go to break. And right after the break, we'll be talking to Dave Woods of the BBC. We'll be talking about the big game down at the Den this afternoon, also known as Lamport Stadium. The Toronto Wolfpack have a big one today. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I am live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto uh, on the new AM740, also in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM in uh, live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're trying to connect with... Uh, uh, with Dave Woods, the BBC Rugby League correspondent. Uh, it's an international call. Uh, trying, trying to make the, uh, that connection. Uh, we'll keep working on it. I'm in studio going solo today. Uh, it's kind of tough sometimes talking to yourself, although my wife will tell you I do it all the time. Uh, so I should be, I should be really good at it. We're trying to get a hold of, uh, uh, Dave Woods, the BBC Rugby League correspondent, because there's a big game going on this afternoon at the Den which is uh, Lamport Stadium. It's uh, the Toronto Wolf Pack. They'll be qualifying for the Super League. Uh, I'm told, uh, do we have Dave Woods on the phone? Dave, are you there, sir? I'm here, Walter. How are you? Good. It's great to it's great to talk to you again. It's it's almost like an annual celebration we talked to. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. Unfortunately, the celebration didn't quite work out last year because <laughs> yeah, they got beaten by London, didn't they? But oh, so maybe this time, this time, lucky. Well, we we hope so. We certainly hope so. Yeah, we're still suffering bad memories from last uh, last fall. We uh, we were all yeah. ready to break out in a celebration. Uh, we had it was the million. Pound game or whatever it's called, uh, because yep. because if if T if the Toronto Wolfpack had have won that game last year, they would have graduated to a different level in uh, yeah. in, in English rugby. Perhaps you can, uh, and I just would. Uh, just so our listeners know, we are our our studio is actually right across the street from Lamport Stadium, where this and I I look out my window here and I see crowds already uh, already milling about. Uh, yeah. And uh, Toronto is actually the center of the rugby universe today. It's it's pretty hard to describe, but uh, the game's going to be on CBC on Game TV Canada. It's on Sky Sports in England. It's on TV in France. It's on TV yeah. in Australia. And it's on TV in Asia. So yeah. it's hard yeah. to believe that Toronto is the center of the rugby universe, but it is. But Dave, you're the rugby correspondent for the British Broadcasting Corporation. Uh, give us a little background on this game and what it means. Well, today is a kind of a last year when we spoke, it was the million pound game. And that was, you know, everything or nothing today. Uh, Toronto can actually afford to lose and still find themselves promoted because they're in the playoffs at the moment. The playoffs are very complicated. I won't try and, talk you through them. Um, but they're in the playoffs. Uh, this game today 
if they win or lose, they will still have another chance. And the, the, the likelihood is that they will end up playing to lose again in a fortnight's time for the million-pound game for promotion to Super League. But last year, we all expected that they were going to be promoted. This year, we all super expect they're going to be promoted <laughs> because they are a fantastic team this year. Uh, you know, they've changed their coach. They've got one or two new players there as well who are, you know, who are top-level rugby league players uh, and, and find themselves playing at Toronto. So we are very much expecting that they will be in what we call the Super League over here. That's the, uh, the very top echelons of uh, the rugby calendar over here. Uh, and so we're expecting that this time next year that they will be involved in the Super League. But, but they, if they win today, then that boosts an already very sky-high confidence going into the million-pound game in a couple of weeks. If they lose today, then, you know, it matters, but it's, it's not fatal. Uh, Sporting-wise, they should still get a chance to play in the million-pound game anyway because they've had such a fantastic season. Uh, and they, they've had, uh, I mean, they've had to play. To, of course, the Toulouse Olympique are, are uh, obviously based in France, and the Toronto yep. Wolfpack are based in uh, Canada. Uh, and uh, I, I'm not sure there's any other non-British teams in 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 rugby. But how do oh. how, how do the rugby uh, aficionados? Over in Britain, where I guess it's a little bit more of a of a major sport, perhaps than it is in Canada. Although we do have an incredibly passionate f- following here in in Toronto, but it's you know to be quite frank, it's not at the level of of ice hockey yet or or basketball no. for that matter. But how do how do how do uh, as a British uh, national, how do you how does the how do you react or how does uh, how do the locals over there react to uh, a team from uh, Canada, North America being so successful? I think a lot of people um, in England are intrigued. I think when the whole idea of a team setting up in Canada, and of course they they, they started the, the Wolfpack in the very lowest division, and they've had to work their way through. So it's been a it's been a, a story of, of the last few years. You know, they're not an overnight success. They've done it stealthily and, and very well over the last few years. And a lot of English fans are really intrigued to see if they will come in, and when they do come in, what happens next. Um, there is always that British reserve, so you'll always get a minority of people who go, we can cope without them, thanks very much. But I think the majority of, of rugby league fans over over here really are hoping that they come through because it's something completely different. You know, there are, there are two codes of rugby, just as there are two codes of, you know, you've got American football and Canadian football, which are similar but different. And um, likewise in rugby, there's rugby union. So if you're watching the World Cup at the moment, that's rugby union. But the, the type that, that Toronto plays, rugby league, again, similar but different. But rugby league has been going since 1895, and we've never had a Canadian team in the top flight in, in 120 odd years, however long it might be. So to have them in will be fantastic, you know. David Argyle has, has put a heck of a lot of money in there, a heck of a lot of investment in there in terms of emotional investment. And a lot of people working behind the scenes. Brian Noble is the director of football. Uh, you've got Brian McDermott is the coach there. I mean, Brian McDermott, um, one of the most successful teams over here is a team called Leeds. You might have heard of Leeds. Uh, and Brian McDermott was their most successful coach. And he's now coach of Toronto. So that's the caliber of individual that's involved in Toronto. So uh, although there might be a minority who, who, who huff and puff at the prospects of Toronto coming in and spoiling the party for us Brits, <laughs> I think the vast majority of, of British rugby fans are really excited about them being involved in the very top echelons next year in the Super League next year. Uh, we're talking to Dave Woods, who's the uh, rugby correspondent for the British Broadcasting Corporation, and we're talking about a uh, big game down at Lamport Stadium, known as the Den, uh, uh, at starting at one thirty this afternoon, uh, Toronto Wolfpack against Toulouse Olympique. Uh, Dave, just wanted to get a sense uh, for, on this side of the pond. Uh, uh, we, we know that... Uh, uh, football, as you call it over there, is is the number one sport. And, of course, we're all familiar with Premier League. We all watch Manchester and Tottenham and Liverpool, and uh, that's a huge sport over here as well. Where where does rugby uh, fit in? I know, they're, they're, you know, it's it's obviously a hugely international sport. Seems to be growing. It's, uh, you know, it's taken foothold in, in countries all over the world. Uh, tell us how big rugby is, and uh, both on a British scale and on a worldwide scale. On a worldwide scale, uh, again, you point to the two codes. Um, on a worldwide scale, the two codes do have you know, a, a great appeal in certain countries, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, um, a lot of the Pacific nations, such as Tonga, 
uh, Fiji, places like that. So it, it has a huge appeal there. Um, but it, it, I mean, it is over here. You know, you can't hide behind the fact that it is dwarfed over here by football. You know, soccer, as you call it, is, is massive here as it is there. Uh, and that is the absolute number one sport. But there are towns and cities in England which are rugby first and football second. Uh, so, for example, if, if Toronto get promoted next year, they'll be playing against the likes of Wigan and St. Helens. And they might not seem, you know, they might not be the big, the big, the big adventure stories from a, t- a Canadian point of view in terms of places to go geographically. But in those towns, rugby league is absolutely the number one sport. Um, so you do get pockets of, of, of rugby league. And, and those pockets tend to be in, in former industrial areas, you know, in, in, in the working class areas. Uh, in the north of England and, and sometimes beyond as well, but um, that's where that's where rugby is is really at the heart and soul. And when rugby league is important, it is important. You know, where in those places, um, it, it really crosses the, the communities and and, and families. Um, you know, are absolutely invested in the sport. So you, uh, it, we pride ourselves on being a family sport. You know, that, that in, in terms of it's families that turn up, it's 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 husbands, wives. And kids, mum, dads, kids go along together to watch. Whereas football tends to be more a, a dads and lads type of activity, generally speaking. I think rugby league is much more of a family occasion. And, and you'll get that at Amport. Um, if you've never been before, then I would recommend you go because uh, I, I know a number of people I've spoken to cannot believe, Canadians cannot believe how, how accessible the players are. You know, they finish playing, they, 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 they knock heck out of each other for 80 minutes <laughs> and then they all shake hands and they're all hugging each other and they just mill amongst the supporters, you know, so these superstars are very much available and, and, and very much a part of the community just as the sport is invested in the community. Uh, we're talking to Dave Woods, uh, rugby correspondent for the BBC. Dave, uh, big game today. Let's talk about the game today. Uh, Toronto Wolfpack, yeah. Toulouse Olympique. Uh, Toulouse has been a handful for the Wolfpack this year. Uh, in fact, I think they got dusted by uh, Toulouse a few weeks back. I think it was 44-6 to six, uh, or uh, lost by a large score, whatever the number was. Uh, I think they've had on and off this year. They've they beat them twice and lost them twice. How do you uh, how good of a team are the Toulouse uh, Olympique, and how do you forecast today's game? Um, Toulouse are a good team. Toulouse are a good team, and, and and they play as we say the right way. They 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 like to play attractive rugby league. They've got some uh, some good players in there. Um, they're in they're in a part of France. Um, and there's a great history of rugby league in France, where where the sport kind of survived the Nazi regime in the Second World War, and a lot of resistance fighters. Uh, the resistance in France was very much involved in rugby league, and, and when the Second World War passed, the game came again because of those resistance fighters. So there's a great romantic aspect of French rugby league. Uh, they tend to be tough. Traditionally, they tend to be tough. But this Toulouse team also likes to play a lot of good rugby. Um, however, having said that, you know, Toronto are the best team in their division at the moment, um, and everybody expects them to be promoted. And I think, you know, 99% of people would expect them to win today because as good as Toulouse are, on the big occasion, Toronto, player for player, pound for pound, are a better team. So um, they've got the better players, they've got the more experienced players. So you would expect that Toronto should win today. A guy to look up for, he's never been before, John Wilkin, who's, again, you know, he's, he's, he's super decorated over here in terms of grand finals and challenge cup finals that he's won with his former club, St. Helens. He's a former Great Britain England international, uh, and he's been very much a star for Toronto this year as well. So I'd expect Toronto to win today. And I'd expect them to win, win when in all probability they play Toulouse again in uh, in the uh, the million pound game in a couple of weeks' time. We've been talking to Dave Woods of the BBC. Dave, uh, I, I can't thank you enough. We uh, we got you on late notice. We we know uh, I know how important a family day this is for you. You've made time for us, and that's quite yep. kind and gracious of you. We very much appreciate it. Uh, certainly. Certainly, we would love to see the Toronto Wolf Pack uh, uh, make it to the uh, make it to the Super League, and uh, in that case, uh, we'll be talking a lot more often. Dave, thanks, uh, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Walter. Any time, always a pleasure. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Thanks so much, Dave Woods of the BBC. It's the game. It's this afternoon. It's at the Den, also known as Lamport Stadium. Toronto Wolfpack against Toulouse Olympique. It's an important game for the Wolfpack. If they win, they make it to the English Rugby Super League. Would be an incredible accomplishment. And it's a rabid crowd down at Lamport Stadium. It's a lot of fun. Um, 
Keep an eye on it. It's on TV all over the world. It's time for our break. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking to the godfather of sports radio, the one and only Eddie Andelman from Boston. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto in the new AM740, downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. On the internet, live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. Pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, a good friend of my, ours from the New England area, the godfather of sports radio, the uh, host, uh, former host of the iconic sports talk radio show, The Sports Huddle, which really sort of invented this whole genre. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only, the Eddie Andelman. Good morning, Eddie. How are you? Well, I'm fine, even though you disturbed my beauty rest. <laughs> I apologize, Eddie. Uh, little, you know, you know what live radio is like, Eddie, and uh, I know that you would respond to the call. Uh, a little uh, scheduling uh, uh, issues this morning, and I, I knew, I knew in a pinch, I could call my buddy Eddie Andelman. Thanks, <laughs> thanks so much for helping you, helping me out. Just extend your afternoon nap a little bit, Eddie, and uh, you'll sort of make up for it. How are you? Well, I'm doing all right for an old man. Yeah, I think you're doing okay, Eddie. Uh, let, let, let's uh, let's get into it. Uh, uh, certainly, some interesting things down uh, New England way. The Pats are off to a fantastic start. They dusted the Steelers and they dusted the Dolphins. Mind you, dusting the Dolphins is not that much of an accomplishment. But they certainly seem to have uh, picked up where they left off, and then they got into this whole Antonio Brown kerfuffle, schmozzle controversy. Uh, Eddie, you're never you're never short of the quips. Uh, in in a succinct manner, analyze that whole nonsense for us. Well, um, this is not as bad as people think. Like it's not uh, Hernandez who killed three people. <laughs> so this is like for Patriots, kind of a small thing. But anyway, uh, when you really look at it, um, they've become a hated team throughout the country and throughout the world because they've had so many uh, off-the-field problems. I mean, you'd like your athletes to be of strong character and decent people. But uh, unfortunately, the Patriots have had so much bad publicity, including the owner. So what can I tell you? It's, It's... I'm not very proud of them. Like I'm proud of the Celtics because on and off the field for the most part, uh, since they were formed in 1946, there's been very, very few bad characters. Um, and they're very community involved and they're sort of a really nice, nice kind of guys. Um, and the Patriots are just the opposite, but they're winning. So everybody here loves them except the bookies. Uh, Antonio Brown, should they have, uh, it's sort of like the, who who knows how that all shook down. I mean, he was released by the Oakland, uh, by by the Raiders, uh, I don't know, Oakland, Las Vegas, whatever they are. Um, They were released and like the Patriots sort of jumped on him right away. Were you surprised by that? Well, I I think, um, just personally, I think this has been going on for quite some time. Uh, against league rules, but it's nothing new for the Patriots to be cheating uh, against the rules. I mean, we've all seen, uh, you know, Tom Gate and all that other business, uh, including uh, one time um, filming uh, another team's practice when it was closed. They just do those kind of things because uh, to them, winning is everything. And I suppose if you're a paying sports fan, it's not so bad. Uh, Pats, they look pretty good in two games, although, you know, let's forget about the Dolphins because they, they look like they're going to be the league patsies this year. Uh, but the Patriots, uh, you know, they, they swept through the playoffs last year the tough way, which is they had to win on the road, uh, had a pretty dominating performance in the Super Bowl, and they seem to have picked up where they left off. And, in fact, their defense... Uh, looks well, looks better than, than than it was at the end of last year. Uh, Eddie, are they uh, are they uh, is the defense better? Are they a better team than they were last year? Yeah, I think so. Uh, only because 
the last few years they've started slowly, you know, two and two. Uh, now they're undefeated, and of course the schedule has something to do with that. But um, they 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 should beat the Jets easily today. And um, the one break that they have compared to all the other teams, <laughs> they're in the worst division possible. So when you're playing Buffalo uh, twice, you're playing Miami uh, twice, and the Jets twice. Well, the worst you're going to be is five and one against them, and that sort of puts you in the playoffs. So they've lucked out into a rotten division, um, of which they have three teams that don't have a quarterback and never have had a quarterback. Eddie Andelman, the Godfather of Sports Radio. Eddie, the Red Sox. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't get uh, a chance to talk about uh, your beloved Red Sox. Right. Uh, Dave Dombrowski is uh, is gone. Uh, no, yeah, you're, mis- you're mispronouncing his name. Okay, go ahead. It, it, it's two words: <laughs> Dumb and Browski. Be nice, Eddie. It's it's early on a Sunday morning, but anyways, uh, was that a good move? Should they have gotten rid of uh, Dombrowski? Well, he's wrecked other franchises, and but they won the World Series last year. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, you know I mean, everybody's got a short memory, Eddie. Come on, don't forget he raped the farm system. So they really have nothing in the farms. And then he took a payroll to such an enormous extent. Can you imagine a team paying $40 million more than the Yankees? That's, that's certainly hard to believe. But you, you, mean, you can't say he didn't get results. Well, uh, listen, they're not the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're 1-1 <laughs> in I, I knew, I, Eddie, I knew, I knew you were going to take an opportunity <laughs> to get a shot in at our beloved <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs. Do you Boston guys always like to uh, like to rub, rub Toronto's uh, rub, rub it into us a little bit? So I'll give you that opportunity by all means. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the thing with Toronto has always been the front office. Uh, I mean, they just don't know what they're doing. Have, have you actually been? Have you actually been keeping abreast of uh, what, what our what our Toronto guys have been doing in terms of signing? Uh, sign, you know, you know that we have a. You know, we're we're becoming. A, thank, thank, thankfully, there's a there's a salary cap in the NHL, right? Uh, which we are. We, you know, we we got the brightest hockey. Uh, we've got the brightest. What they call them, capologists. I'm sh- I'm surprised. Uh, I'm sure you can make some fun of that at some point in time, but every NHL team has a guy now called a capologist. Right. And we got this brilliant guy in Toronto who figured out how to sign two guys who can never can barely walk and can never can never can never play again and managed and managed to find some loophole in the collective bargaining. We're actually like eleven million dollars eleven million dollars over the cap. But uh, because we signed these two guys who can't play anymore, we managed to qualify. Have you, have you actually been keeping abreast of uh, our brilliant Toronto management up here? Uh, no, I just. Uh, you know, a cursory look, and and what I've noticed over the years is that uh, you have the the greatest. I don't know of another city or another team that has a better following and a more patient following than the Toronto Maple Leafs. I bet they haven't had an empty seat in fifty years. Uh, probably more than fifty years. But I, I got to tell you, Eddie, the the fans' patience I think is wearing thin. Because uh, we actually think we have a good team now. We actually think we're the highest paid team and that these guys should actually produce something. And now, of course, we are the, we are the, we are the, uh, chiefs of the basketball universe. At least we, for one day, for one day when we, and then we came crashing down when Kawhi left town. But you right. know what? We get to wear the mantle of the, of NBA champions for the year. So, uh, there's a, there's, there's big expectations on our Toronto Maple Leafs. I think Toronto fans are getting ornery, Eddie. You, we may surprise you. Well, I think that, uh, the, the Toronto basketball team, has put additional pressure on the Maple Leafs because they're relatively new compared to the Maple Leafs, and so they won, and and they were and they were a great team to watch too. I mean, I used to love to watch them. They played like a team, and they 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 played hard all the time. So I congratulated them. I'm sorry that uh, the Celtics were no match for them, um, but the NBA uh, now is have teams that are great and teams that are awful and there doesn't seem to be anything much in the middle 
Which, you know, I've got to ask you, uh, I've got to take this opportunity to ask you, and uh, we've got a minute and a half left. Uh, the the NBA players, uh, all the power seems to have gone to them. And I'm sure you read about, the, you know, they're all orchestrating now who they're going to play with. Uh, Kawhi went to the Clippers and he orchestrated that big move, uh, that big trade. I think it was Oklahoma City or whoever it was uh, to get, you know, he said to Balmer, like, I'm coming here, but, you know, I need these guys with me. And LeBron's bringing guys in to play with him. And, you know, all he, and it's like, it's like, like, why bother having general managers in the NBA anymore? It's like, it's like, you might as well appoint the players as the general managers. Uh, your well, thoughts, Eddie? Well, I think that uh, in the last couple of days, uh, the commissioner, uh, Silva, has just added some very strict rules about, uh, people um, negotiating, whether it be players or teams, beyond what the rules say. And they've added a $10 million fine uh, to put some teeth into this law. Because what you're saying is absolutely accurate, and it's become a player's league in in every sense of the word. Um, But I like the NBA, uh, and I like the game of basketball. And I think that... uh, when you have great teams that play at a high level, uh, like you have, you know, today. Eddie, uh, uh, Eddie, unfortunately, Eddie, unfortunately, the the producer is giving me the, uh, right. the he's giving me the sign, so I don't want him to cut you off in mid sentence without me being able to say uh, thank well, I'm you. I'm giving him a sign. <laughs> I'm sure you are. <laughs> Anyways, I, I got to take the opportunity. Yeah, you, you, you bailed me out this morning in a pinch, Eddie, on late notice. Uh, uh, you're a good friend of mine. Uh, thanks so much, and we'll certainly stay in touch. And as usual, when I'm down south, I will certainly give you a call. We'll get together. That'd be great. Thanks so much, Eddie. Much appreciated. Anyways, I got to get off the air. Go Wolfpack. Naz, get better. We'll be back next Sunday morning. Thank you so much. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.